And they were all like less than 120 pounds. And then I got to someone who was 675 pounds. And I was like, who is this? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica. Erica, hello, hello. Hello, hello, Allie. How are you feeling tonight? I am good. I feel like the last week has been a dead sprint of not only like work, but also I did something every single night of the week. Yeah, that was my week the week before, so I feel you. Yeah, and... Four of those things, well, actually, one of them was during the day, but four of those things were dating related. Oh, shit. Okay, so you got a buttload of updates. Quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do. I only had one little update of a, of a hot spot in NYC I discovered. A hot spot? Can I give this? Yes. So, um, you know, I work uh, Gotham Comedy Club sometimes, and I had mm. two shows, and there's always a gap between the shows. Right. And the comics scattered. Sometimes we'll just hang out and chat or something. And I had time to kill, and I was like, maybe I'll go to a bar nearby. Like, why not? Let me see. Maybe there's mm-hmm. some uh, single men out, right? And uh, I Google bars, and I see we're right near Barcade, one of their oh, locations. Oh, I love Barcade. And I had never been there on a weekend, though. I've gone there, actually, for a date before, but I've never gone just, I don't know, on a weeknight weekend. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I like arcades. I'm just going to go spend $5 and play some games in the arcade. I get there. Um, I only had a 20 and the bartender was out of fives. So I walk in, the place is packed and I mean packed with dudes. Wow. So I was like, I got to give this a shout out to, to the, uh, listeners here. And there actually was a handful of Saturday night dates that were also there, but Tell me you put a $20 bill into the token machine. No, oh, even okay. better. So I go to the bar, I'm like, can I have some fives? And he's like, I only have one five. So basically it's two tens or whatever and it's yeah. loud and it's packed. He's running around. So he just gives me back the 20. Uh-huh. So then I go up to the bouncer and I'm like, do you by chance have fives or change for a 20? And then as he's looking, I realize I could go around this bar and just ask all of the men here. What a move. Right. I was like, whoa, this actually was something I needed. Wait and a minute. You're like, listen, move. bouncer, put your money away. I was like, pretend you don't. <laughs> Literally. I was like, never mind. I got it. I this figured never it out. happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just was like, oh, I'll just, what an opener to just talk to any guy of like, hey, Brilliant. excuse me, do you by chance have change for 20? And, and it's even a situation where it's like, I don't need, you know, $10 in tokens. I don't have that much time. No. <laughs> and it was packed. So I was like, even if it was like, I have $17, I'd be like, screw it. I'll take it. Right. Fine. Make right. So I end up <laughs> Yeah. So I ended up asking a few guys for change and then so the the third guy I asked ended up having change. So I got my change, okay. I got my five dollars of tokens, and I played around. And I didn't really have time to like linger and mingle. However, I have that now in my back pocket of an idea. I love that. I I feel like so you'd have to have the time for this, right? But I feel like there's then the opportunity for like circling back to the guy if you like won a game or if you like lost all your tokens and you're like mm-hmm. you know I don't know you can make it something dumb and cute like thanks a lot like 
those dollar bills you had were, you gave me were jinxed. Right. Or I was like, when they give you the change and you get your tokens, you can come back and be like, so I feel like I should treat you to a game. Do you want to play me in something? God, that's so good too. Ooh. Anyway, but I just was like, ooh, I have a new new hot spot. Next time I'm working Gotham Comedy Club, I will be at the barcade. Oh my god, <laughs> immediately you're gonna be a after my regular. set. <laughs> you're gonna get so good at pinball. There is actually a game I'm very good at there. It's called the Bar Tap game. The Bar I don't know if you've ever played game? this. It's literally like where you no. serve beers and there's like four bars and it, it throws the beer down the bar. And I Why? am I actually game? have the high score on this game. Yeah, what? it's in Barcade. So I, I specifically went for this game because I am secretly like a little gamer with arcades. Um, that I was like, oh, there's a lot of men here, but I really just want to play this game and blow off some steam before my show. So the, anyway. The game that I'm the best at is is no longer in any arcades that I've ever seen because it's like not really an okay game. And I shouldn't be good at it because it is it goes against everything that I kind of stand for what game i am excellent at police shooter i had no idea this was a game oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) like excellent mind you i've never even seen a gun in person i don't think i have either other than a bb gun yeah or like the ones that are in like policemen holsters and stuff obviously i've seen yeah but you mean like in your hands no, no, not even in my hands. Like anything, anything that was not uh, like holstered by a police officer in a police officer's holster. I have never seen a gun in person. Interesting. And yet Damn. that game, I am awesome. Uh, I've never been a bartender, <laughs> but uh, well, I like my little beer go. game. <laughs> Damn. Uh, All right. Okay. Well, anyway, barcade. That's where the men are at. We have ideas. They are there, and they're in groups. So it's also a good place. Take a take take a group of girl- girlfriends. Go to Barcade. This a lot. Um, I was very excited. Well, I love it. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into into future months, and I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah, and also it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, zero percent alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink that is a little, little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little, little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. So what are your updates? I know you got a bunch. I have a bunch. Okay. So first thing, small update, I, out of nowhere, ended up having a second date lunch date with the Belgian. Ooh, lunch date. I like it. Fitting them in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know if I if I should spoil the the punchline. I haven't talked to him since this date. Mm. So okay. I don't really think that we're gonna continue seeing each other. But basically we were trying to find time to go out. As previously mentioned, I had plans every single night of the week. And so but I mentioned that I was going into the office the next day. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I don't know what your your office schedule typically is like, but would you want to get lunch? And normally I would not be able to do that. But on this particular day, I could make it work. He ended up coming to a Thai place that's like right next to my office because I didn't have that much time in between meetings. And we had a nice lunch. It definitely felt like a business lunch, though. Well, yeah, that's the downside. Yeah. And I realized that I have never been on an early in the game day date like that, like work day, really in a different mode Mm -hmm. that early. Yeah. I think the only one I've ever done was a brunch date for a second date. But that still like was like we had the day and it it was like yeah, a beautiful like fall a day. You're walking around, yeah. So it didn't feel super businessy, but yeah, a day a day date not that common unless I do a coffee. I feel like yeah. So I didn't, and we like had a good good conversation, but like it just didn't feel datey. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't realize that I hadn't spoken to him until we recorded Patreon. So oh, yeah. like. Five days after the date, I d- realized that I hadn't talked to him, which like probably isn't a great sign for either of our interests. Right. Because wh- what I was about to ask you was, is it you don't want another date or if I don't hear from this man, I don't care enough to reach out and plan it's the third that. date? It's yeah. more that. It's like... So if he reached out, you would, but you're just like, well, I, I, I would. Him. Yeah. If he reached out, I would, but I don't... But I, we've talked about this before that, like, I think I am all for suggesting dates. Like, I am happy to reach out to someone. I do think, though, that because there is a norm in situations where with men dating women, women dating men, because there is the norm or the, like, societal expectation that the guy is going to do more of the asking out or, like, be more of the pursuer. And, again, I'm all for doing it myself. Mm-hmm. When you break that expectation and break that norm, I feel like it indicates even more interest. Yes, I know what you're saying. And again, not to say that that means I shouldn't do it, but it's like, I I feel like I, I want to feel more than like, yeah, okay, in order to do that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it doesn't come from me sitting there and being like the man should be the chaser and the da 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 i actually really like i think matthew hussey is the one that said this advice of are they investing the same as you're investing right and and so with initiating i look at it the same thing of are they also initiating is it all me and when i feel like it's all me it's just a turnoff where i'm like i don't feel like this guy's interested no i I totally agree right and that's when i like retreat my energy or whatever you want to call it and i'm like all right if they reach out to me i'll go out on another one but if i reached out for the first two i'm like i'm not reaching out for the third yeah that doesn't make me feel sexy you know yeah nothing about this made me feel sexy to be honest uh which is fair that's a valid reason to be like eh. yeah so so that's that um i also did a speed dating event um through the same company that i had been out with before amber club okay how many dates did you go on? Ten. Ten. Wow. How long are yeah, they? Yeah. So five? it's five minutes, I think. It's got to be ten I mean, dates. That's an hour. Yeah. I was thinking it might even have been less than that. Yeah. But okay. Five feels right. Five minutes feels right. Um, and this is your so, first time speed dating, or no? No. This is the second. This is the same company that I did before. Same company. Same. Yeah. Okay. 
So, no, so second time with this whole setup. So the way that they do it is that the women sit at tables and the men rotate. Classic. Like in the movies. Like, like in, in the movies. Yes, exactly. And I, I actually was the very first person to arrive, even though I was only three minutes early. Oh, that's nerve wracking. Yeah. So I, well, the, the cord, the organizers were there, but okay. I walked in and it, yeah, I was like, oh my God, is no one coming to this event? That would be interesting. Um, but people came. Um, but because I was the first woman there, I had first pick of where I was going to sit. And so I picked a booth where we had to sit next to each other versus most of the seating was tables where you're across. That's a bold move, though, especially when you can't see anybody who's there yet. <laughs> well, I'm, like, I'm going to give us every opportunity to connect. Wow. Good for you. Um, thanks. Thanks. Um, and I had some good conversations. Nobody that I was really super jazzed about. Mm-hmm. I did put down two people. You're able to list three people at the end that are your top three. Oh, you they even have... give you a limit. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've yet to encounter they don't that. Want, they don't want it to be, they want it to be intentional. Makes sense. Where like if you get a match with someone, if someone likes you, like they definitely liked you. They didn't just put everybody on the list in hopes that somebody would like you them back and then but then they don't, they're not actually excited to go out with you. And then that's a shitty experience for you. Hilarious of when I did a speed dating with my friend at the end, she was like, I'm tempted to put everyone. Cause I just want to be nosy and know who likes me. That's exactly why they don't let you do that. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yes, yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's a membership thing. So you have to like do an interview in order to even be invited to go to these events. Mm-hmm. And if you have, I don't know how many, but if you have a track record of bailing on dates or like not following up with someone that you said you were interested in, they can revoke your membership. Oh, oh, so this is like a little bit like Millionaire Matchmaker where she like checks in with both parties. Yeah. And she's like, I know you're my client and you pay to be in my club, but I'm gonna kick you out of the club if you don't yeah, follow the which club I like. rules. Ooh, which I like, ooh. which is like, listen, if you said, and obviously I'm not, by saying I like you, I'm not committing to dating you, but like, yeah. if I wrote your name down, that means that I would go on a date with you. And if I don't go on a date with you, then that's shitty. I love this. Yeah. Kick them out of the club. Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, I'm fired up. I'm I like, I want, it. this makes me want to be in the club. I'm like, I yeah. won't mess up the rules. I'll follow the rules. I, I'm here. I'm here for the right reasons. I swear. <laughs> um, so, oh all so all that to say, I did write down two men's names. They okay. did not write me down, so I did not receive a match. Yeah. Oh well. I wasn't really expecting to. Like, I would have gone on dates with these men, but I didn't think that our that it was like, oh my god, I'm so excited about them, and I think they're excited mm-hmm. about me too, and we're gonna match, etc. In the text that they sent me the next day, they said the same thing they said the last time, which was that I had a couple missed connections, meaning like somebody Hmm. wrote me down that I didn't write down. Does it give you the option to like go out with them still? No, no, because you have to pick your people. But there's also like no way to prove that that's actually true. Yeah. Like Hmm. they could just say that to like keep me on the hook, you know? 
Right, because it's like, do we want to send an automated message that was like, well, you have no matches. Hope to see you at the next speed dating event. You're going to come again, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like if you saw a psychic and they gave you zero hope and zero right. positive They're things. They're like, everything is terrible, but would you like another session? I know. Um, call me in three so months. Maybe it'll turn around. Maybe. It'll be better then. You'll have to call me again, though. Okay. So I'm not free the next time they're doing one. I, I would I will would and will do another one. I don't have speed to be dating free. specifically or like yes. a different one. Yes. Honestly, I they, did speed dating twice. I didn't hate it. No, I really enjoyed it. I mean, both times yeah. I haven't ended up with matches out of it, but one, I enjoyed the experience. Two, they've been at really cool bars that now I know about and I didn't know about before. Mhm. And yeah, I, I feel think like so many cool. people have a fear of like the stigma of it, but it's like, nah. Just go. It's it's a fun thing to do, honestly. And for me, I was like if you're all about efficiency, speed dating is for you, okay? That's your game. You get dressed up one time, you met 10 people, great, you know? Yeah. The only thing I will say is that, or, well, I've said quite a few things, but another thing that I will say, I have give, I gave them the feedback that they should do 30-plus events. Oh, because what was the age range? I don't actually know. Because okay. I didn't ask anyone how old they were. I'm 95% sure that at least half of the guys were like 25, 26. Which is so interesting to me. Because I felt like speed dating wouldn't be something that men that young would look to do. I think that this particular company has marketed itself well to like a younger crowd. In a great way. Mm-hmm. Right. But... And I don't know if they have enough people to do age-specific events, but I, I have given them that feedback because I think that would be cool. Yeah. One of the ones I did was, I believe, 30 to 40 age range. Yeah. That's what and I was like, And I liked that. Yeah. Just being like, okay, yeah, everyone will be around my age somewhat yeah. in, in my dating range that is like an app dating range. Exactly. Like in some sort of range. Like the one guy that I talked to, very nice guy. But like clearly he was like two years out of – two or three years out of college, working at a bank, had just come back from Miami. We're, mm-hmm. we're not in the same place. <laughs> like that yeah. sounds really fun, the place that he's in. But like I did that 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. I got you. So anyway. Um, so that was the – that was number two. Then I went on two first dates. How are they? What, what do we have nicknames or anything? Uh, we do. So date number one was, um, oh, Lordy. Oh, Tinder Man. I've talked about him for a while on here. Yes. Finally, we're able to meet up. I finally was able to meet up with Tinder Man. Um, there will not be a second date. Mm. I went into more detail, as you know, on the Patreon that I am not going to go in here um, because it's. I just feel more comfortable sharing on the Patreon. Um, So if you would like to hear these specific details of this date, you can go there. Um, There won't be another one. He did text me a couple days ago. So a couple days after the date, he texted me and asked – he phrased it interestingly. He asked how I was feeling about going on another date. I think that he – based on how he phrased it – I think that he could sense at the end of our date that I was uncomfortable and probably w- did not want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
for and very TLDR, he didn't respect some boundaries that I set. Um, mm. And so I responded to him and I said, like, you know, hope you had a good weekend too. I've given it some thought and I don't feel comfortable going on a second date, but I wish you the best. Perfect response. And he said, thanks for the honesty. Same to you. Okay. Well, so. 10 out of 10 interaction post date. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it seems like a 10 out of 10 re- rejection and handled well. For sure. Um, but you know, a bummer. Cause I really, I was enjoying our conversations leading up to the date. I enjoyed myself for a large majority of the date. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, oh, well again, though, cool bar, <laughs> cool bar. And you tried a new app. And I try so you're trying new, new things. That's true. That, I'm that was trying our new year's I'm trying new things. Yeah, I'm trying new things. And I'm I'm still on Tinder. I have not. Tinder man will not ruin that for me. Um, and then first date number two was the very next day, which if I'm being totally honest, was a little bit difficult to psych myself up for having had the yeah not so week. great ending to the date the night before. Um, this guy we're calling the historian. We went to a dive bar in Bushwick. I really enjoyed talking to him, like mm-hmm. really enjoyed talking to him. That's we, always great. Yeah. Like we had very, very similar niche interests that Ooh. we were able to talk about. This is going to be more niche than you're expecting. I'm really into urban planning. Plants? No, urban planning. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like it, like city <laughs> planning. <laughs> Like the like the way. Oh. oh my god! You know what I thought of? Urban space isn't that a thing? Oh, urban plants? space is a company that sells plants, I believe. Or no, urban okay. Company, urban space is a yes. I know what you're talking about that. Is all right. Plant. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. Everybody, sorry. No, no. Oh man, you would like. I played a game on a plane once, and then I got addicted and downloaded it on my phone, and it was designing subway routes. Yep, into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should go so- to Barcade with me, Allie. We'll have a good time. <laughs> we'll play the subway game. So I'm really into urban planning and specifically I am into the ways that cities developed and how that has an impact on our society. Oh, and so it's like a combo history, urban planning. Yes. Um, and there's, there are some fascinating, fascinating books about this. Um, and we talked a lot about, he had read a couple of them that I had read. And so we like talked a lot about oh, wow. the impact of urban planning on women and like how cities were built by men for men and how I mean I can tell you that by the apartments I see with no fucking closet well yeah there you go it's an example um just I'm like male architect oh. for sure for sure <laughs> so that's just like one example but we were able to talk about re- a wide variety of things on a really deep level like it didn't oh, feel that. like surface first date talk. Yeah, that's rare to happen. Absolutely. Here's the thing, though. Oh, no. He. <laughs> we are in really different places in our lives. Mm. And in the sense that he is. I'm trying I'm going to I'm trying to figure out how how to share this in a very anonymized way. He's in grad school Mm. and 
I got the impression, more than the impression, he pretty much explicitly said it, that he doesn't feel like he is, I'm putting quotes around this, settled enough for where he wants to be. Like, I think he's in this, men- I think he's in that mentality of like, oh, I have to be in X place mm-hmm. in order to have X, you know, Y relationship. That is a lot of men. It's a lot of men. I think it's pretty common. And it is a lot of them. They're like, if they don't feel financially stable in general, they are like, oh, I'm not ready for the settled down part of my life. The way that he was talking about where he was at and the things that he was working on in his life and then the questions that he asked me about mine mm-hmm. made me feel like he was definitely putting an emphasis on the fact that we were not in his mind aligned well i would also guess if he's in grad school is he also working and doing grad school cuz that's just a lot of his time he is, and it's also mm. not the ultimate job that he wants once he's done with grad school. And I think that weighs yeah. on him. Oh, for sure. It's already hard enough. Grad school is enough work as it is. And then you add working hours and then studying. And, and I feel like any friends of mine that are in any type of grad program is like they disappear for the year. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so again, like I had a really good time talking to him, but I left the date thinking like, I think he need I think he's got some thinking to do mm. about whether he wants to pursue something here or if this is too much of a mismatch for him. Yeah. I get that. Did um, he reach out at all? No, I haven't talked to him, so I, I think that I think I'm correct. Yeah. I imagine it's just a bummer because it's just nice I mean, so many dates I go on the conversation is so meh. I know. Like, I don't feel like I get that connection moment where I'm like, oh, like even, even if I leave the date going, I don't think we're a match romantically, but wow, I had a fun time or like, oh, I really like talking to that person. The time flew by is just nice to have. So absolutely. It's like weirdly hopeful, but just sucks at the same time. Yeah. And I, and I, I do feel hopeful about it. I'm like, oh, I had a really cool conversation with someone. Like I could have another one with someone else. Right. But I also just very much got that impression that he just doesn't feel like we're aligned in that sense. The other thing is from like a logistical perspective, I don't need somebody who, you know, makes a certain amount of money or like does a certain thing or it, but I do want somebody who is able to share in a lot of the things that I like to do in my life. Mm -hmm. Like going out to eat or traveling, you know, those kinds of things. And I can certainly pay my own way, but I can't pay two people's ways. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is like a logistical aspect at a certain point with that. No, there is. And it's something that I feel the same way. And I've been dating people before that I found with men, even the times I could afford like the second ticket to whatever Mm -hmm. the thing was, or I could pay for the whole nice dinner that I wanted to have and the restaurant I wanted to try. There always is this, 
I don't know what the correct word for it is, but there always is this like kind of ego thing or it makes them feel like less of a man of if I am picking up the whole tab. And therefore they're like, if I can't afford to split it with you, then I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Which is and valid, I'm sitting there like, right, which I get it, but it's bummer. frustrating being the other person where you're like, okay, but if I were you and you offered this to me, like I would accept it and just try to like have a nice night. Like, yeah. and I feel like this very much is a male female thing and it's partly just society and how we're raised and expectations of the men being the provider but it's I've had friends in this situation and I've been in it too and it's it is frustrating it's very frustrating to be like I work my ass off and I can treat to the thing and you won't let me treat you is like a whole nother like nobody would blink an eye nobody would blink an eye if a man were treating a woman to something fancy no one would blink an eye if I started dating some dude and he's like let's go to Paris for the weekend on me i bought your ticket i got the hotel let's have this beautiful romantic weekend everyone would be like oh my god that's so wonderful and amazing like marry that man but (laughs) if i ever did that to a guy everyone would be like what are you doing like he hasn't earned it or you know people would make fun of him like oh you got a sugar mama and it's like how about i just i i I worked my ass off for this trip and i would like my boyfriend to go with me how about that you know I would like company in the most romantic, one of the most romantic cities in the world. That would be nice, you know? So it's just frustrating. Yeah. It just sucks. Yeah. So that is what I left the date feeling like. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that he's on the same page or that I was right about the page that he's on um, because I haven't heard from him. Yeah. That'd be a situation I'd be like, I'll leave it to him, especially if I felt like he somewhat felt inadequate on that level mm. asking me those questions and he was doing some type of mental math in his head or something i would be like all right well if you're cool with it then contact me like yeah i can't make you cool about this and, and less insecure about this like all i can do is be myself and, and i don't want to hide what i have and what i've worked for yeah one question that that he asked me that people ask all the time and I not just to me but I see people ask that I don't really understand when people ask when you say that you live alone people like to ask you how big your apartment is like oh studio really? one bedroom oh not like in that sense yeah. yeah okay studio one bed I would get that a lot too when I was yeah. by myself yeah and I would be like it's a studio but and but like, but it was, like what yeah. what goal what goal does that question have? It's indirectly judging what level you're on. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm trying one to figure out more how, expensive. Right. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, where, like, I'm trying to figure out where I sit versus you. Like, mm. oh, are we, it's just like an odd, I just would never think to ask somebody that question. I wouldn't it ask it on a, a date. I'll be like, I'll find out if I make it to this man's apartment. Yeah. Like, but and also like. I don't really care. Yeah. It's also, it's just a New York thing though, of asking people what they pay in rent. Yeah. But no like, one's ever again, asked that on a date. Never, no one's ever asked never on, a date. on a date. Yeah. No, yeah that's- never on a date, but like friends of mine, they move to a new place. So I check, you know, you go over, you see it. I'll always, I, I often, I'm just like, Oh, I'm curious. Do you mind if I ask, what do you pay in rent? Like it, it's kind of just a classic New York question. Cause the real estate. Yeah. That insane. feels a little different to me. But yeah, right, but it's a the, friend, but not a date. I've never asked a date. It's, it's happened numerous times on dates where mm. somebody will just be like, oh, studio, one bedroom. I'm like, what? Why? 
<laughs> They're like, is there room for me? Huh? <laughs> um, so anyway, that is the recap of my week. Well, there you go. You got after it. I did get after it. I feel, it's funny because I feel like it's I got so after it that I'm like, man, I'm not doing anything this week. Uh, dude, it happens. I can't. I can't force myself anymore. When I have a week like that, the next week I'm like, I need yeah. some chill time. I am texting I with someone from Hinge currently. That's exciting. And actually, I think he asked me out for Friday. I saw okay. I saw a te- I saw a text come up right before we right before we hit record. Yeah, he did. Oh, All right, nice. so I think I have a date on Friday. Oh, look at that. Cool. You manifested. Look at me. Manifesting. Yeah, my only continual update, Um, I ended up not seeing your friend, the mutual friend. We're calling him Santa now. We're calling him of Santa. Allie's friend. We're calling him Santa. Uh, I ended up not seeing him. I did uh, decide to reach out, and we chatted a bit. Didn't work out, but um, I'm feeling that initiating thing of I was like, well, yeah. I initiated twice. I'm going to throw it to the... What is the stupid saying? Throw it to the birds? What the fuck did I fuck up with? Throw it to the birds. <laughs> I think... I'm making a saying. I, throw it to the birds. You're going to throw it to the birds. Throw it to the birds. I don't know. What Live and let die? What is it? Like, what's the What's the definition of the phrase you're looking for? I feel like I'm trying to find the non-religious version of give it to God. <laughs> ah. Throw it to the birds in the sky. Got it. Throw it to... The- I don't know what that would be. Go with the flow? Uh, I don't even know if it's good. Yeah, I don't know. It's not throw it to the birds. That I know really it's not throw it to about. the birds, but now I like <laughs> saying it. Now it's my new phrase. I'm going to throw it to the birds, <laughs> and the birds are going to take care of it. The birds and are just going to fly away with it? Yeah, they're either going to fly north or south, baby. So I'll throw it to the birds, whatever direction they want to go. I'll follow along with the herd, or the flock. The flock. That's it. <laughs> That's me. Call me Urban Planner Erica. <laughs> I'm, gonna, oh, I'm, making it, I'm making fetch happen, baby. Throwing it to oh. the birds. Oh you heard God. it here first. I'm finding Mr. Height. <laughs> well, uh, on that really serious note, um, I, I, am, I am actually seriously very excited for our topic this week and specifically that we are doing our second story time. Yes. Very excited. Another story time. And we've gotten some listener submissions uh, to talk about plus size dating or something in the plus size world. And uh, we had someone submit a plus size fitness coach. And we're very excited to have her on. Yeah. Her name is Heather Bodie. And we already recorded our interview with her. It's awesome. She is just so good, I think, at articulating not only the journey that she's been on, but also the way that she's reflected on it was just really Mm -hmm. impressive for me. And I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Yeah, you guys are going to love this one. So let's get to it. Let's throw it to the birds. Throw it to the birds. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets. If you want to come experience some magic live, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And... It's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrheight.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come. DC Comedy Loft. 
Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. Start swiping on Hinge. Bring a date. Have a good time. And you'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. We are back with Heather. Hi, Heather. Welcome to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. We're so pumped to have you for our second ever Storytime episode. We're we're really grateful that you're here sharing your story. So thank you, first of all. Oh, yeah. I like the minute I knew that that uh, uploading a Storytime like story was an option. I was like, I, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I talked to you a little bit. We had a little phone call before having you on. So I just wanted to start with, um, you are a plus size fitness coach and also cosplayer. And I am curious what inspired you to get into the fitness space? What made you want to be a coach? Yeah, this is like, this is a really long kind of like life story. And like, if you were to have told me maybe even like six years ago that I would be a fitness professional today, I would have laughed in your face. I would have been like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) Um, But especially going all the way back to childhood, which I think is where I will start my story. Um, I grew up in a larger body. And something I want to say before we get into the meat of this is like, I'll refer to myself throughout this story as larger, like living in a larger body, being plus size, or even fat, but that not every person who exists in that type of body likes to self-identify that way. Um, So, but that's just me. So I just wanted to say that right off the bat. Um, But I grew up in a larger body. I was always a chubby kid, so to speak, and um, not very athletic. I actually went to a performing arts school growing up. So from the fourth grade through the... yeah, fourth grade to 12th grade, I was doing artsy stuff. And I was on a soccer team for one year. And in (laughs) fact, our team was so bad that the year we scored a goal, like just one goal in the whole season, we cheered as though we had like won the World Cup because we were so excited to just (laughs) score a goal. And the other team was like, why are they screaming? They're like, they're still losing. (laughs) Yeah, they were yeah. they were up by like 16 and we had just scored one goal, but it was our first goal that we had ever scored. So we were like, this is incredible. So just <laughs> that's the environment that I that I grew up in. I mean, I did do dance, which can be considered athletic, of course, you know, that kind of stuff. And theater, which is what wound up being what I went to college for in my major. That's like what I studied. Um, that's an and it takes athleticism in its own right, like being on stage and performing. Um, but I never really saw it that way until I became a fitness professional. I was like, wow, this is like, we you train to be on stage just like you train in fitness. But anyway, I grew up in this larger body and I sort of just let myself become the 
quote unquote fat best friend because when you're younger, you sort of like to put yourself in a box. Like I want to fit in and I want to have a place where I fit in. And because of society and because of the media, what we see in the media is like there's a pretty girl who gets to be the lead and then her fat or ugly or not as you know, not as societally attractive best friend. And so that's kind of like what I let myself become. And I'll just say that like, it didn't bother me growing up, so to speak. It's just like who I thought I was. So like, I was a little sad when all my friends started getting boyfriends. Um, I was a little sad, you know, it was a little bit lonely, but I, I thrived on like being funny and being the like the nicest person that's another thing it's like a lot of people pleasing came for me because it was like you can't call me fat if you like me so um so that's sort of like the behavior I developed growing up in a larger body and um and I was in theater and I was getting these roles that were made for people who are not age appropriate for me like in high school and in college I was playing roles like maid, cook, grandma, mom, that kind of thing, and never any sort of age-appropriate thing. Um, and in college, I sort of had this like revelation about just how different I was because I went to a school, and I feel like a lot of schools were like this at the time. I was in college from 2008 to 2012. So um, everyone all of the women were very kind of like cookie cutter. They all wore the same type of clothes. They all looked the same. And if you didn't fit into that mold, you were ostracized. You were an other. And mm. it doesn't have to do with like with like your body size. It could have been your skin color. It could have been your hair color. It could have been anything. Like you were ostracized. And that I went to the, to a school in the Midwest that just like really bought into that. It was like heavy on the Greek, you know, like the 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 whatever that's called, like Greek life. Sorority, Greek life, life. sororities and yeah, friends. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is not for me. I'm a theater kid. I'm a weirdo. Like, this is not who I am. But it was also like the saddest that I've ever been because at least when I was growing up in that performing arts environment, I was supported for being different. Whereas mm -hmm. when I went to college, I was kind of ostracized for being different. And that really took a toll on my self-esteem. And that's when I started really thinking like, oh, well, is it because of my body? Is it because I'm fat? Is it because I'm weird? Is it like all of these different things? I kept trying to make sense of it. And I did wind up finding a great group of friends in college. And these are people who are like, they're my lifelong friends. And it's because we were the weirdos. So it's like you find, I found my people and that was like really, really safe for me. And then I graduated from college with a degree in theater and I moved to New York from a, from the Midwest. And I moved here bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, completely naive, thinking like, I'm going to pursue theater. And I knew it would be hard. I'm not going to say, like, we all know that acting is hard, but I didn't know just how detrimental to my body image it would be. Um, mm -hmm. And I started going on auditions and I started seeking roles. And like I said before, the types of roles that I was getting before in high school and in college were not ever age appropriate for me. So then when I was portraying, when I was going on these auditions, I 
didn't see any roles that I felt like fit me because I had never played a 22-year-old before. I was like, wait, where do I fit in here? Like, there aren't roles being made for me. Now, this was 10 years ago. So Mm -hmm. I do think the industry has shifted a bit. And like, I do think there's a lot more space for weirdos and more diversity and things like that in theater, but also TV and film nowadays. But 10 years ago, it did not feel that way. And I even had a casting director say to me that I was I was taking a class with her and she we worked well together. She really said that I was talented and that we got along well. But then on the very last day of class, she did an evaluation of our headshots and resumes. And my evaluation of my headshot and resume had nothing to do with who I was like as Heather. She just said, I really think that you're talented, but there has never been a casting breakdown that's come across my desk that I think you'd be good for. And so like- Oh, well that's disheartening to hear. Yeah, because it's literally, it sounded to me, what I heard was you are uncastable. Get out of the industry now. You're never going to get a job. And so Mm -hmm. I was like devastated because I fit in this in between, right? Like I was, I was not fit enough to play a leading role or ingenue lady, right? And I wasn't like this big boisterous personality like Melissa McCarthy is the example that comes to mind, especially because at that time in that like 2012 timeframe, like she was, yeah, she was all the rage. So like, or like a were, like a rebel Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if yep. you went into an audition room and you were in a larger body, you were automatically compared to those people. And it's like, that's not mm. who I am, though. My sense of humor is a little bit more like, oops, I'm awkward. Like it's a little less self-deprecating. <laughs> and like, it's just, you know, so almost like an Issa Rae and insecure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But like I how I got into fitness was from a really, really negative place. What I started doing was I was like, I don't want to be the fat Melissa McCarthy. Like, I don't want to go into an audition room and be seen as that every time. So what Mm -hmm. I decided was that I was going to lose weight so that I could play the leading lady ingenue roles. Mm -hmm. And it really, really shook my relationship with myself and with my body because it was the first time I was ever punishing myself for the way that I looked. And I was going into the gym specifically to say, you are not good enough. You are not good as you are. You need to change everything about yourself in order to fit in in this industry. And it was really, really tough. Um, And You know, exercise is supposed to give you endorphins, right? You're supposed to feel good after you work out. You're supposed to like be energized and have a, be a better mood, have a great mindset. But when you approach fitness from that place where I was, when I started, it was, it did not feel good. And I felt like there was something wrong with me because I was always thinking about that legally blonde quote, right? Like happy people just don't kill their husbands. It's like, Mm -hmm. because she was working out and I was like, wait, but I don't feel that way. I like feel like I could probably murder someone. So like it's it was <laughs> not it was a very, very, very dark place. I was just r- randomly lifting dumbbells. I was running on the treadmill. I had no idea what I was doing. And 
the thing that kept me going was not anything that was within myself. It didn't have anything to do with me. It didn't even have to do with the results that I was getting. It had to do with the validation I was getting from other people when they would see me. And when I started punishing myself for being fat, a lot of people would compliment me and say like, the next time I would see someone, they'd be like, wow, Heather, you've lost weight. You look amazing. Ooh, what are you doing? And they'd get curious. And, you know, it's well-intentioned, but they didn't realize that they were feeding this insecurity that I had that became an addiction for me. I became addicted to hearing those compliments from people. My relationship with fitness didn't last long in that negative place because obviously it Mm -hmm. did not feel good. And I'm definitely the type of person who's motivated by fun and I'm motivated by feeling good. And when something doesn't feel good and is not fun, I take a moment and I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Um, So I started a different workout program. And it's a workout program that you didn't have to go to the gym to do. And at the same time as doing that workout program that was like at home, body weight only, I had also started reading the She-Hulk comic books. So this is where you're going to start getting into hearing about how I'm a big comic book nerd and how I got into cosplay. Uh, But it's all connected. (laughs) Um, So I started reading the She-Hulk comic books. And for those of you who don't know, She-Hulk is the Hulk's cousin. She does have a show on Disney Plus now, which is very exciting. She's played by Tatiana Maslany, and I love her. But that's beside the point. Yeah, so She-Hulk... I I discovered her by flipping through a Marvel encyclopedia and I was looking for a female superhero who had any sort of like realistic weight. And I say that because when I was looking through the encyclopedia, all of the female superheroes, their stats are listed. So it's showing you how much they weigh, how much they can lift, um, how tall they are, that kind of stuff. And they were all like less than 120 pounds. And then I got to someone who was 675 pounds. And I was like, who is this? And it was (laughs) She-Hulk because she is very muscular, very large. She's over six feet tall. Like she's just a very like broad woman. And the thing that I love the most about She-Hulk is that Unlike the Hulk, so when the Hulk hulks out in the comics, he stay he um he kind of turns into like a giant toddler, right? Like he doesn't have control over his emotions. He gets angry, he hulks out, he smashes things. That's him. But mm-hmm. She-Hulk, when she hulks out, she actually has full intellectual ability. So she still has her whole personality. She is still in control of all of her emotions. She's still the same person as when she is in her human form, who is Jennifer Walters. So, and she can, she can transform consciously. She can decide, oh, I'm going to be in She-Hulk form now. Now I'm going to go back to Jennifer Walters form. And the thing that I loved most once I started reading her comic books was that she actually chooses to stay in her She-Hulk form when she's going through society. So like she's a lawyer and she likes to practice law as She-Hulk in her Hulk form. She goes through life. She goes out to bars. She hangs out. She dates all of this in She-Hulk form. And I thought to me that was very striking because it was one of the first times that I had seen in media, even though it was in comic books, a woman behaving outside of the societal norm or what was societally expected of her. And she was like thriving. And it was... It felt 
mind-blowing to me. I was like, she chooses to be different and people accept her for that? Like, this is incredible. And so, she's like the main character in this mm-hmm. in this in these stories, right? She's not like, oh, and she Hulk on the side. Exactly. Exactly. She is the main character. And it just so serendipitously happened that I started this workout program right at the same time as discovering the that run of She-Hulk that was going on. And I just like really started channeling She-Hulk in my workouts. And it became way more about feeling strong and how I felt in my body and being present in the workout and seeing what I was capable of and improving. And it felt so empowering that it blew my mind. And I was like, how was I exercising any other way? How was I moving? Like, why was I ever moving my body to punish it? Like, this feels so good. And Mm -hmm. so that sparked my, oh, I want to get certified in this so that I can teach other people how to feel this way in fitness. It doesn't have to feel like how I felt when I first started. It can feel good. It can feel empowering. It can be exciting. You can channel superheroes while you work out. Like This is so (laughs) cool. And then I got certified in fitness and I like I created my own workout program where basically you combine superheroes, but not just superheroes. I take like pop culture and media and anything that's really like popular and I combine it with fitness so that people can both escape into their workout so that it doesn't feel like you're working out, but also be more present in their workout because they're channeling this like pop culture thing that they love. And so that is essentially the very, very, very long story of how I got into fitness is really from going through that negative thing and then coming out the other side with my relationship with She-Hulk and having that change how I felt in my body and about my body. Long story. (laughs) No, but uh, an amazing one. And I think I love how the She-Hulk connection kind of came to be. And something struck me when you were talking about being hooked on the comments that other people would make. Mm Mm-hmm. What are the kinds of comments or words that strike you as really positive and uplifting, maybe as you were kind of looking at She-Hulk or as you think about like your fitness journey now, like what are, what are the things that you encourage like the words to use? Oh, that's a really great question. I like, so I personally like to be told that I'm strong. I know that that's Mm. not something that everyone would like, but I think if you are if you're familiar with like a goal that your friend is working toward or something like that, instead of making it about their weight, you can definitely make it more about like who they are as a person. So when people compliment me and say that I'm like so capable and resilient and strong, um, that kind of stuff feels really good, good to me. And something that is very triggering for me and it still happens because I am in the fitness industry and my body does fluctuate, especially because of the pandemic. It's like, you know, I gained weight because we weren't, I wasn't in person teaching and then I came back to in-person classes. And so my body is just kind of naturally doing this fluctuation until it finds where it it's homeostasis, right? Like where it wants to be. And my clients, even though they mean well, sometimes they'll come up to me and be like, wow, have like you look like you've lost weight. And I will just very kindly say to them, like, that's not a goal of mine. 
and I'm very happy with how my body looks. I'm very happy in my skin right now. Um, And I know that this is a well-intentioned comment, but it's not something that I would like to discuss with you. Um, And I know that it's always very well-intentioned. And also um, something that I, like to take that to the flip side, something that my clients come up to me and say that is both a compliment but could be misconstrued is like being shocked that I'm capable of doing some of the things that I'm capable of doing. Um, Mm. Like, Mm. oh my gosh, I can't believe that you could do that, that downward facing dog into the flip. And I'm like, oh, well, yes, I've been doing this for a long time. I've (laughs) I've been a fitness professional for six years. Like it's not, it didn't happen overnight. And it's, um, and I try to encourage them in that way because it's like, listen, I might, look like you, but look what I can do. And you can do this too. And your goal doesn't have to be to look like that, if that makes sense. Like you don't, your goal doesn't have to be to lose weight. Your goal can be to be able to do that downward dog into the flip and you're still going to look like me and it's okay. You know? Um, so I hope that answered your question. (laughs) No, it really does. Because I think about that a lot. And I think Erica, you have experienced this too with sports, So as I think about, like when I tell my, when I think to myself, you know, man, I'm out of shape, Mm. the way that I'm thinking about it now is like, it's because I felt like I couldn't get through my volleyball game, which means that like my lungs are not prepared for the high level of volleyball that I'm trying to play. Mm -hmm. And like, I simply want my lung, I want my lungs to be able to get me through the high level volleyball game that I enjoy playing. And I've like tried to flip it to that rather than like, oh, I need to lose weight or I need to, you know, not be as squishy or like whatever whatever words that I've used to describe myself before and rather turn it into I'm trying to perform at this thing and here are the things that I have to do to make that feel better. And also, like, let's be honest, I get injured a lot more easily at 35 than I did at 25. Mm -hmm. So like, how do I prevent that too? Yeah. And to piggyback off of what you're saying, like as an athlete, especially like there are there's such a like this is how we should look and this is how we should perform and this is how we should, you know, there's there's an, an expectation there. And I think that there's our bodies change over time and it's just a natural thing that happens. But what we see in society and the media and I'm going to keep referencing that because it is our it is our it's the looking glass for like a standard, right? Mm-hmm. Social media, what we consume, that is the standard that is placed for us, right? And so if all you're seeing are these people who look and act a very specific way, that's how you're going to think you're supposed to look and act too. But what we don't talk about enough, like what you just said, is that a 35-year-old is going to have a very different body than a 30 than a 25-year-old. And and it's not that you need to compare yourself to the 25-year-old in any way. It's that you just need to recognize, like, I'm still playing volleyball and I'm 35 and that's freaking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. there are things that I need to do to take care of myself differently because my body doesn't just bounce back the next day like it used to. Um, but you also, like, that is where the self-care comes in is, like, how can I take care of myself and prepare myself for this thing that I love to do and work hard on? rather than punishing yourself because your body's not acting the same way it did when you were 25. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's also the society expectation of what, quote, healthy looks like. Yeah. And uh, we have a family friend who is a larger guy, and he had um, like a yearly physical. 
And the doctor said, well, you need to, you know, lose weight. You are a bit overweight. And he said, well, what is unhealthy about me other than the number on the scale? Like my cholesterol is low. My sugar is low. Like, are there any other health problems? And the doctor said, no. And he said to him, so I'm a healthy fat guy. Like, you know, he's like, you're just telling me to lose weight because on the scale of obesity to my height, I'm technically obese. He's like, Mm -hmm. but are there actually any real health problems here I need to be concerned about? And the doctor said, no. So again, it's, it's a health lens that we all kind of have a little bit from society of like, this is what healthy looks like. And, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Heather, you probably can outlift me, outrun me, out, out, outwork out me any day. I, I, I have not been in the gym. So like, I, you know, it's, well, but we're just trained, you know, all society things of like, this is what this fitness person looks like when in reality, we all know, like I've watched workout videos and I've done them and I see what the people look like in the videos. And I'm like, I don't think they got looking like that from this workout. No, almost. You know never. what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and it's like a little like, frustrating. I'm like, mm, you're selling me this, but I don't really buy it. Like, yes, it's good. It's healthy. I'm moving my body, but you know what I mean? It's like, you're trying to make me believe this will get me a six pack abs. <laughs> oh, I have so many things to say to what you just said, but I'll start with how the BMI is complete and total bullshit. There's a lot mm-hmm. of information that you can find about it, and I don't have it at the top of my head right now, but it was essentially it was created um, either by health insurance companies or for health insurance companies so that they could diagnose people like that and say that they weren't going to live as long because they're overweight or obese, and then um, you don't have to give that like group of people as much money or whatever it is. Um, Again, I'm not like super well versed in it, but that's like why the BMI was created. It's also like it's got racist undertones and um, sexist undertones. And it's just like really not it's not a measure of health. The BMI is not a measure of health. And a lot of times fat people will go to the doctor with an underlying issue and they are diagnosed weight loss. And that is a huge problem in our society. And it's with exactly what you just said, Erica, but it's also with um, like, like sometimes there is no underlying issue and that's great. Sometimes there is, and the doctor will not help you find it out because they're just prescribing weight loss. So you also talked about the influencer sort of doing a workout and presenting it like, if you do this workout, you can look like me, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a huge issue that I see in in social media right now specifically, but just like in all of these workout apps that exist and like, you know, I can't, I have my own workout app too. I am one of them. It's fine. But like, I don't present it in a way that's like, if you do what I do, you will look like me. Uh, and I think that that's an issue right now is that we're we're in an age of social media where people are really honing in on aesthetics and those aesthetics being a very specific body type, whatever it is. And a lot of people are just genetically predispositioned to look a certain way or it is easier for them to look that way. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying they didn't work hard to get their abs but because of their genetics, it is easier to show their apps, right? Um, and if we want to talk about superheroes again, um, I have inside scoop because I'm in both the acting industry and the nerdy industry. Um, there are a lot of superhero fi- superhero films that come out or TV shows where the 
actor who is playing the superhero takes off their shirt and suddenly you see their abs for like whatever reason, you know, aesthetics. And in order to look that way, the actor actually dehydrates themselves for 24 Mm -hmm. hours to make the muscles really skin really tighten up around those muscles so that it looks a lot more defined than what it might actually be. And that is that health. Does that sound like health people? Like I really, it's not a societal, like it's not something that we should be striving for. And it's, it's sad that that's what happens, but that's what happens. So when people are saying like, Oh, I need to have a superhero body. I need to look like this. I'm like, okay, but what are you sacrificing to look like that too? Mm-hmm. You're sacrificing not drinking water for 24 hours. How is that healthy? You know? Um, oh, yeah. So, I saw a Channing yeah. Tatum clip and they were asking him, like, what'd you yep. do to get in shape for whatever movie? And he was like, this is what I did and I don't recommend it. And it's absolutely miserable. And he told his diet and everything. And he said, it's not realistic. It's not don't maintainable. It. He's like, I do not enjoy doing it whatsoever. And that's why this is the last magic mic. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever, he literally you said know? that's why he's like, I do not want to do this anymore because it's horrible and it feels awful. I was going to say, we're a big thing too. And I've done this with, I've done workout programs, right? And stuck to some specific diet they gave me and did all their exercises. And I'm like, it's all planned out. Okay. I'm going to get back on track. Right. But then I was like miserable on two counts of like, one, it was impossible for me to be social. Like any social gathering with friends. If I went, I basically couldn't eat anything, couldn't drink anything. And that made me miserable. And then I also was just miserable in the sense of like, I'm eating the same four meals all the time. Like, and, it, and then on top of it, it wasn't working. And I'll never forget exiting this workout program. I did this like interview and I actually quit the last week. And the lady was like, no, let's get on the phone. Like, what's the problem? Her and her assistant. And I said to her, I go, I've been following your thing to a T. I was like, I have not lost one pound. I haven't lost one inch. I'm miserable. I'm starting to be depressed, blah, blah, blah. And then she argued with me that I must not be doing it correctly. Ugh. And I'll never forget, like, I'm crying on a Zoom call with these people because I was trying to lose like you know, the weight I gained in quarantine and I didn't feel great about myself. And I was like, I just wasted two months in my summer, not being social, not living my life, following your program and it didn't work. And now you're just going to sit here and tell me like, well, I must be doing it wrong instead of like, you could try to adjust your program. Maybe you're like, oh, maybe gluten doesn't work well with you or maybe dairy or like work with me. But it's like, I've, I've a hundred percent been there of like doing the thing and I'm not getting the result that I'm supposed to be getting. And it, it's infuriating, but it also makes you just realize like health is so much in an individual thing. And, mm-hmm. and again, it's, it's sometimes hard to also accept how you look. And, and that also comes from getting older. I'm in my thirties now, so I can't quote lose weight or get in shape as quickly as I could in my twenties. And that's also like a hard thing to kind of reconcile with and, and accept about your own body. Yeah. Everything you just said, like is really disappointing because a good fitness professional, a good health professional would have worked with you and would have found yeah. out like would have at least sat you down and said like, okay, what what are you doing that's working? What are you doing that feels good? What motivates you? She would have like, it really, that really makes me mad. But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't recommend. So you, you brought up a good point about like commenting on people's appearances. And I feel like that's a new trend I've been seeing in a lot of TikTok videos of people being like, hey, you shouldn't comment on people's bodies because everybody when they were doing that to me I was in like the darkest lowest place in my life right now here's a question I want to ask you is obviously we all want to like hype our friends up right and we're all on social media and our friends are posting pictures of themselves and you want to comment and support your friend so in this realm right 
What type of comments do you think are good comments then to leave on people's pictures? One of my favorite things to say is actually, you look so happy here. Um, And I like hearing that too. Like, oh, you look so happy here. Um, Or a comment on their pose or the way that they're smiling. Like if they have like a really beautiful smize on, you can be like, yes, that smize. Or like something that like points out something about them that makes it almost something that they had control over in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like if their dress is amazing, just point out their dress being amazing or that the color really brings out their eyes. Um, I love the color thing. That's like one yeah. of my favorites of, of like, I love seat. Like when I post pictures, one of my favorite comments to get is like, and it's funny because it, it happens for almost any color that I'm wearing and it feels <laughs> great every time, even though it's obviously not true every time is people saying like, oh my God, red is your color. Or like, wow, blue is really your color. And like, at this point, it's been said about every single color. So like, <laughs> there, there's no way. Color. They're all the my color. color looks great on you. Yeah. But it, feel, but it feels really good every time to be like, because the phrase, someone saying, wow, red is your color is basically saying like, you are kicking ass in this photo. Like, yeah. you look mm-hmm. like that outfit was made for you. You're so at home. You're so like, you're, mm-hmm. you're glowing. I also, that's Mm -hmm. a great one too. Your glowing is good too. Um, Something I want to say too about like negative comments and like this happens less in real, in online and more in real life. Um, But something that I wanted to like touch on a little bit about like unwarranted comments about body, like you should only comment on someone's body if you're going to make a comment about them in general um if it's something you can change in 30 seconds is what i have heard so like if they have spinach in their Mm -hmm. teeth or if they're like Mm -hmm. something came untied on their body or something like that um otherwise you shouldn't comment on it at all like if you think that an outfit is not flattering on your friend or if you think that it's too small or something like that like maybe if something's like hanging out that you know they don't want hanging out or something like that you can be like okay we need to like pull I can see your underwear something like that you know like you can change that <laughs> we see but a nip. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah but like if it's not something that they can change in 30 seconds it's just gonna make them feel like crap for the rest of whatever it is that you're out doing um and then my on the flip side there are things that you can say back to people when you get an unwarranted body comment Mm. and i gave an example of one when i was talking about how my clients speak to me sometimes they just because Mm -hmm. i'm their fitness instructor they think it's a safe space to talk about this kind of stuff and it is because i have the knowledge to sort of say like yes and we're not going to talk about that like yes and my type of fitness coaching doesn't focus on weight loss so I'm happy that you felt like comfortable enough with me to share this with me, but that's not what I focus on in my classes. Um, So like if someone says something to you about your body, you can always say, I'm happy. I'm actually really happy and comfortable in my body right now or today or whatever. Um, Or I'm not opening to, I'm not open to discussing my body with you. Either put a period there or say like right now or today or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite though is just ignoring them. That's mostly with family members. It's just like, all right, you've said the thing and now we're just going to move on. Um, I mean, it's not my favorite, but it's the easiest is what I mean. It's because sometimes if you say something, then there's always a chance that there will be something back. Um, and so if you're not in the mood for a discourse or you don't want to have a discussion about it, 
do your best to say they had that opinion. It is not, it is an opinion. It is not the opinion. It is not true. It doesn't make it true. And then move on and try not to internalize it as best you can. Yeah, I think what's hard sometimes is you do know that you might have a friend who's like getting back in the gym, like has been really trying to eat healthier and all this stuff. And and as a result, they do lose weight, right? And you're sitting there when you see them, a lot of times I feel like when we make those comments, it's like you said, they don't come from a bad place. They're like, because you're like, no, I want them to feel good. I think they look great. And I know they're working on it and all that stuff. And And I very much have a family that like, there's always a comment about your weight when you walk in the door, right? And it's never meant in an ill intention, but it's just like, is what it is. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, it's meant to be like, oh, you look good and like encouraging, right? But the joke is like an Italian family. I'm like, whether they say I look thin or I look like I gained weight, they still put a plate of food in front of me and they're like, yeah, and eat this. So it's such a, yeah, it's sometimes it's cultural a little bit too. But um, yeah, it's just, I wanted to ask you that because I'm like, you know, it's hard when you, you know your friend's working hard and has a goal and then you see them achieving that goal and you're like, well, I want to be encouraging. Yet at the same time, I don't want to be encouraging negative body behavior or an unhealthy relationship with exercise. Yeah. And I think like there are ways to have camaraderie with a friend that encourage them without, again, making it about their body. So I told you I kind of had that like when I discovered She-Hulk, my relationship with fitness got healthier. Well, then being in the fitness industry, I felt a lot of pressure to look a certain way. So it's like I got out of acting and then I got into fitness and I had the same pressure that I did when I was acting. And what happened was I went on a really, really extreme diet, like really extreme. And I was teaching 16 classes a week and doing my own workout class, my own workouts on top of those classes. So we're talking about a lot of time. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Who knows how I had time? Um, and so like I was under eating, over exercising and cutting out food groups that I needed in order to have the energy to survive. And like you were saying, Erica, earlier, like I was miserable. Like I had no energy. I had like there was so much that I like didn't realize at the time because I was so in this headspace of like staying small and staying like in this specific body that I was unaware of everything else that was happening around me. And also at this time, this was like the smallest weight that I have ever been in my entire life, but it's also the most miserable I've ever been in my entire life. Like, but because of that number on the scale, which now I don't weigh myself anymore. I no longer no longer touch the scale. I also encourage my clients not to. Um, but like because of the number on the scale, it all felt worth it because I was reaching my quote unquote goal weight, right? However, yeah. I was in an incredibly toxic relationship at the time. I was being treated like crap by this person and tolerating it because I felt like I was finally worthy of love because I was in a small body and thought that like this must be what love is um and then Mm -hmm. what was really happening is that because I was in this really toxic relationship and couldn't see it I was focusing on the things I could control which was how many times I could exercise and what I was eating (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it's really, really scary to be in that place. And I didn't get out of that place until after I was out of that relationship. But it's amazing how sometimes you don't see that because you're so blinded by the comments and the addiction of how how what I thought this person was loving me felt. It was not what love is in any way, shape, or form. But because I was finally in a relationship. And again, I put that in quotes as like, I was finally in a relationship. I felt like I had to continue the pursuit of being smaller in order to keep that relationship. And even Mm. when he broke up with me, my first thought was, oh, it's because I'm gaining weight. Even though I wasn't. Mm. And even though like, it was just so, that's just like where I was at the time. And looking back on that now, it's just like, it's so heartbreaking to see that version of me and look back on her and be like, I'm so sorry I did that to you. (laughs) I'm so sorry that I thought that the smaller you were, the more worthy you were to keep a person who didn't even care about you and treated you like crap. Uh, And I will say that he never commented on my body. That's not where this came from. It was all me. It was all internalized. But it felt like I needed to stay small in order to keep this person because of the story that I was telling myself. And then coming out of that, it took a lot of unlearning to come out of that and sort of be like, I'm still worthy of love at any size. I'm still worthy of love no matter what weight I am at. And I have to still to this day, actively look for evidence of that. Actively say, yes, I am worthy of love. Yes, I'm worthy of love. And it's not always coming from romantic love either. Like seeking it out in those platonic relationships as well is really helpful. Um, But it took, it was like a big, big long journey to get to this place where it was like, finally, I am in a place where I know that no matter what I weigh, I am still deserving of that love. And when I was in that smaller body, she was also deserving of love. She did not deserve the relationship that she was in. But because of the place that I was, like the mental place that I was in, that's the type of energy I was attracting. It was this like desperate sort of clinging to whatever I could get. Um, Whereas now my relationships are flourishing and abundant because I'm in this mindset of like, I can have anything I want. It doesn't have anything to do with what I look like. I love that journey. I think that's so powerful to hear for a lot of people, even if, you know, weight or body is not some is not part of a journey for someone. I think so many people can relate to feeling like they're unworthy of love and, you know, kind of needing to realize that they are and that they can they can have it and that it isn't what it has to look like. I'm curious, sort of shifting to dating a little bit, you know. We're here on this dating dating podcast. I have had talked to a lot of clients about their dating app profiles or what they see in dating app profiles, talking about looking for somebody who's into fitness, looking for somebody who works out, looking for somebody who's athletic. And I think oftentimes it doesn't doesn't actually mean that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it feels like, even if it isn't, it feels like it's directed at body size and yeah. not at love of fitness. But so one, I guess my question is sort of two part. One, like how do you see that? But two, 
how do you express something like that? If like for you, fitness is a huge love of your life. How do you navigate that? Yeah. So I honestly get triggered when I see that on someone's profile because to me, as a plus size fitness professional, the first thing I think, and this is a me thing, it doesn't have anything to do with the other person, but what I see is they're not going to like me because I think that what they're looking for is a thin person who likes fitness, not a plus Mm. size person who likes fitness. And I even have on my profile, Mm -hmm. I have that I'm a fitness instructor. I have that I'm a fitness professional. I have that health and fitness are a priority. But I also, when I see sort of like, I don't say that that's what I'm looking for in a partner necessarily. Like I don't say that like, must be into fitness, must have an athletic build. That one really bothers me because it's like athletes look like anything. Athletes, have you watched the Olympics? Athletes can look like anything. But what I think you're saying is that you want a woman with a flat stomach. So look elsewhere because that's not me. But it's really triggering for me because it's like as a fitness professional, I like to connect with someone who is passionate about fitness, but I always get this feeling that that's not what they're actually looking for. So I don't, I tend to not want to match with those people because I get nervous about how they'll perceive me seeing what my body actually looks like and being in fitness. And again, like I said, like that's kind of a me thing, like that's on me, but it's also protecting myself from the people who do have that idea of like, if you're into fitness, you have to look this certain way. And so I kind of weeded out by thinking like, okay, if this guy has that he's into fitness and it mentions it maybe like once, we can maybe match. If it's his whole personality on his profile, we're probably not going to match. You know what I mean? Or he's talking does about that. like how he wants you to be into fitness. Like it's one thing yes. for him to say like, I love this. It's another thing for anyone, not just men, but like it's one thing to say, I love this. It's another thing to say, you must be into this. Yeah. I just hate anytime someone's entire profile is about one thing. Fitness, your dog, uh, food. Like it's like, is this the only interest you have? Like it it irks me on that front specifically. (laughs) Yeah. Have a little variety. This is why for me personally, I say that I'm a fitness professional because I am. Um, But I also have a lot of other things on my profile. And I also put, I, I put my fitness headshots there so that you can see me in my professional fitness, professional fitness out, like, you know, my clothes, my, my workout clothes. Yeah. And it's like from the hips up, kind of, so you can get a sense of what my body looks like in fitness clothes so that you don't have this unrealistic expectation of what this fitness instructor looks like. Because that's the other thing is like, you know, I'm trying to manage someone's expectation if they're coming to my profile and seeing that I'm a fitness professional. I don't want them to assume that I have a six pack. So I make sure to have a photo of me that shows my body so that they can see that, oh, this chick is a plus size fitness professional. Or like, that might not be what they mm-hmm. think because that's not really it's people don't think in that way but like they could be like oh she's she's curvy she's got a body like not thinking like the traditional standard what you might think when you hear fitness professional which for a lot of people is this girl must have abs because she's a fitness professional you know mm-hmm. um 
So not that I feel like you need to manage people's expectations on dating app, but for me, it weeds out people. So, yeah. Well, I also think that managing people's expectations is also ultimately protecting yourself. Yes. Yeah. Because having interactions that are going to be triggering, upsetting. I mean, I do the same thing with my height. Like I want to make damn sure that they know exactly how tall I'm going to be because when I didn't used to do that, I ended up in a lot of situations where I had negative interactions because somebody's expectations were by no fault of my own because yeah. they just don't understand how height works, I guess. <laughs> but like yeah. that, I think that that's, that's a protective measure too. And that's totally valid for you. Well, this was so awesome, Heather. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate you doing our story time episode. Um, what is your Instagram handle that people can follow you? So it's at Heather Bodie. It's just my name. Very, very easy. But Bodie is spelled B-O-D-D-Y. So it looks like body, but it has two D's. Hell yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we'll have you in the show notes so everybody can can find you there too. Perfect. Yeah. And if you guys want to submit to be on a storytime episode, check out our website, findingmrheight.com slash podcast. You can submit any future guest suggestions or for storytime or any feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us again, Heather. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.